0: Hello, good morning, everybody. It's uh, Wednesday, and uh, today is the 22nd of June, 2011, and my name is Dave Weiner, and uh, this is a, this is a, what we call a podcast, and um, it's a it's a well, it's not a new idea, but I was going to say it's a new idea, um, but you know, it's not. I've been doing podcasts for a long, long time, by some measure. And anyway, I was having a conference call yesterday with a guy named Dave Jones and a guy named Adam Curry. And um, one of the things that we all said we would do would be, um, because we have this tool called Blurk, which amongst uh, many other, it's sort of, Blurk is like an RSS um Eater and RSS um, Farmer, creator uh, it's an RSS. It just does RSS In every way imaginable And um, There was an area where RSS had been I think pretty well neglected And that's in podcasting um, There really wasn't a good way to do a podcast And uh, the blogging tools had certainly a big opportunity to do that, and, uh, and I don't think they really love podcasting. And I don't think any of them do it. And I don't think they spend much time thinking about it. And when I asked them to take a look at it, I sort of got a nice pat on the head and said, "You know, that's very nice," but none of our users want to do that. And, you know, to which I thought, "Well, of course they don't want it to do it because your products don't do it." <laughs> Maybe they would get the idea of doing it if your products would do it. And, um, you know, it's not... Most people don't want to blog either. I mean, so it's... If you have a product that people want to blog with, then you probably already had found a very large percentage of people who want to podcast. It may be only like 5% or maybe 1% of people who want to blog also want to podcast, although I think that number would be low. I would say, you know, one percent of the population are bloggers, if that much. I mean blogging is a pretty rare thing. I mean people who want to actually get up on the sand soapbox and speak their mind in the park, you know, there are a lot more people that gathered around them listening than, than, than at the spectacle of, you know, here's a guy who's sticking his neck out, uh, um, far more of those people than there are the people who are willing to actually stick their necks out. Um, But I always go with the philosophy that if you produce a a tool that is good at reading or listening or watching, that you almost have an ethical obligation to make that tool also capable of creating. Um, And that really came home to me uh, when I was pretty young with uh, uh, the Apple II. Um, the Apple II was a perfect example of that. Uh, you know, it was a, actually a very nice packaged product. You know, it was the kind of thing where, you know, if you were a techie, you might look at it and say, well, you know, I think I could use that. Uh, I mean, it had a sort of nice finish to it. But when you bought one of these things, in the beginning all it could do was, you know, run basic, and you'd have to write your own programs to do anything. And then as it got more mature, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it still could run BASIC, even though it had packaged software for it. Um, and, uh, and all along, IBM PC was the same way. It had BASIC and ROM, and uh, and it was a very active development tools market, for consumer development tools. I mean, Turbo Pascal, I think, cost like 30 bucks, And for that, that was very... Low price for software. It might have been a little bit more, but it was really cheap, and um, and a lot of people bought it. And um, you know, then there's open source software. A lot of those are development tools. Of course, those are like more than cheap. They're free, and um, so most people don't want to program. Most people don't have the means to program. They don't have the time or patience or skill. But, you know, maybe one in a million people is going to write a, a really good piece of software, and that's enough, because if the software is something that breaks through and creates new applications for computers, you know, it was worth giving everybody a development environment for the one in a million that actually is going to use it. And so I felt that, you know, if you're going to make a podcast listening device, then you should also have a record button. It should have a microphone in there, and it should have the ability to upload it. and and that should all be very easy to do because, you know, who knows who has the great idea that everybody needs to hear who has the talent that, you know, just riding on the subway of, you know, has an has just got a style or a way of thinking that sort of gets everybody going. And, you know, because the tools are not pervasive and they're not out there, uh, you know, we might be missing some big opportunities there. And... Uh, so it's, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom means if you want a thousand flowers to bloom, you have to plant a billion seeds, <laughs> the way it goes. So, of course, not only was my podcatcher, which is the thing that's built into floor um, able to download them, but it's also able to upload them. And so what we all three of us decided yesterday, and we're going to do more of these conference calls but just to begin with is that each of us would, for some period of time, not specified, every morning do a five- or ten-minute podcast and just keep us up to date on what's going on, what we're doing. And, you know, as long as I'm working, I'm happy to do that because I, I like to tell the story about what I've learned in the last day or, you know, whatever. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, how long have we been talking? Six minutes, already. Six minutes for a really easy, simple idea. Uh, now what I what I learned this week and it all uh, I really learned it yesterday was something about DNS and you know uh, we all have I've been using DNS um, you know I don't know probably since I started sending emails now I think that email exists in or DNS did, or I'm not sure of the chronology, but for a long time, you know, you can't use the web without using DNS. You know, when you type in google.com or uh, scripting.com or facebook.com or uh, whitehouse.gov or whatever, uh, there's there, that's DNS. I mean, basically, you're taking a name, uh, which is something that a human being finds easy to remember, and then that gets translated into a physical machine address, and that's how the computers know how to talk to each other. They don't know... They have to have those names translated into addresses and then that's how, you know. It's almost as if, like, you had a a way of saying, you know, Mom's house, and you could type into the computer, Mom's... Or you could type into your car, Mom's house, uh, and then it would take you to 28054 uh, Manchester Boulevard, Anytown, USA, you know that would be the physical address but in your mind it would be that's mom's house right same idea and um, so here we are we're using DNS and we're using it for these very big things and you think of you know creating a name as being something that you know I don't care if it takes a half hour for that to fully propagate so that I could type you know the name in anywhere in the world and have it resolve uh you know, a half hour is fine, you know, that doesn't seem to bother a lot of people. Uh, I I personally don't think that's acceptable. (laughs) I think, because I have ideas, uh, have very concrete ideas that I've built software around that say we should be able to give names to very small, casual things, too. Like, a blog post should be able to have a name. Um, And, uh, you know, like, um, I don't know, dave27.blorkmark.com might be the name of of, of a blog post. Or um, dave june com would be my uh, list of things that I did on the 22nd of June. Um, Or uh, let's just say I'll I'll make uh, well let let me not make any promises there. I was going to say I'm going to give a a name to this podcast, but I'm not sure that I've worked out yet how that's going to work exactly, but uh, at some point you'll be able to do that, and I'll be able to say this is podcast237.scripting.com yeah, Why not? I mean, why not use scripting.com, it happens to be my domain. Um, and there are a lot of advantages to doing this. Um, first of all, there are a little, sometimes a little bit to remember. Maybe that's not the biggest advantage. The very most important advantage is these things can move physically and yet any pointers to them that exist out there in the world can still work. That's the reason why you want to give things names. You know, same idea with mom's house. What if mom moves around a lot? I can still say, mom's house, even if mom's house instead of being in any town USA is in Elmsford, Wisconsin. I don't know if such a place exists. Or, uh, you know, Poda, California. Or the, the canonical boom egypt <laughs> That came from a friend of mine from Arkansas, who's a DNS expert by the way, Sandy Wilborn, who, uh, you know, when you come from Arkansas, well, bumfuck Egypt. fuck That is actually could be a very, you know, metropolitan, cosmopolitan sort of place. Um, Sandy taught me a lot about DMS, and smart guy, a nice guy too. Anyway, um, so in my World Outline software, which is related to Blork, but it is not Blork, uh, maybe it is, who knows, um, how these things are going to work out, uh, there's a nice button on the window called blurk And when you click that button, what happens is there, it's an outliner and you have the cursor on the headline in the outline. It says, What do you want to call this? And then it suggests it comes up with a random string like two eight A nine com. Puts that in the box. So that's the mark if you, will, if you like that, you can't come up with a better name. You can say, okay, and that's what gets created, right? and uh, Or if you want, you can give it a better name, and it'll create that for you, too. Uh, the way it's set up right now, it has to be blurtmark.com, but that'll be, I'll, we'll figure out a way to make it be more than that later, maybe, hopefully. Anyway, so here's the problem. I want that to happen right away. I want when you press return within... I don't know, five seconds, and maybe ten seconds. I want that name to work. And it wasn't working. It wasn't happening. What would happen would be I would give it a name, and then uh, right next to the mark button is a view button. Then I would click the view button, and it would push that URL into the browser, and then the browser would say, uh, 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 which is painful sound that browsers make when they can't find what you ask them to find. I'm sorry, I asked DNS what this name means, and it said it didn't know. And, oh, oh, what a disaster. I mean, talk about doing a demo, spoiling a demo. I mean, I haven't demoed this yet, because that's not any kind of a demo I want to show anybody. I mean, that's a software that crashed, even though that isn't exactly Happen, um, so I thought that <coughs> I thought that I understood how this stuff worked because, like, when I go to GoDaddy yeah. and I go to GoDaddy and I give it a new to create a new thing called the C name, which is what <coughs> these things are—they're called the C names. So it's just a way of saying it's a—it's like what I was talking about before with uh, you know mom's address, and whatever. It's another, it's a short name for something other, some other name, right? And um, so when you go do that on GoDaddy and then you you know go you create a C name and then you go you, you, you click submit and then you open up another tab in the browser and you type that thing in and you press return, boom, you're there it's good I said wow, if GoDaddy can do it right away why can't everybody do it right away well, the answer is it was a surprise to me there were two answers, first of all there are some people that just don't rebuild their DNS more than once every half hour, and that's just the way it is. And so you can't use those guys, because half hour is just ridiculous. You can't wait that long. No human being, is just not worth it. The convenience isn't that great, you know, that you're willing to sit there and wait for a half hour, or up to a half hour, for that domain name to, to happen. But that's not what was hitting me. What was hitting me was something called negative time to live, which you is a very bizarre set of words to string together. It's not just time to live. I mean, let's hope I have some time to live. <laughs> you no, know, uh, but, uh, uh But negative time to live is even weirder. And uh, I'll just cut through all the... I mean, I could give you a very long-winded explanation of what each of those bits means. And, but rather than that, I'll just cut to the chase and say what negative time to live means... Is how long should I be willing to remember a negative answer? Okay, so in other words, if if I say to you, "What's mom's?" I'm going. I want to go to mom's house, and then uh, the car comes back and says, well, "I'm sorry, I don't know what that means." So then you go, "All right, I want to go to mom's house," and then the car, and and but when the car first had to find out what mom's house is, it went to go ask somebody else because that's just the way it works. I mean, you, you know, that's how the information gets distributed around the net. And, you know, the first time you're asked, you ask somebody else, and then if he doesn't know, he asks somebody else. And then there's, sooner or later, they get to the root. And the root says, ah, I know. And then each one of those people along the chain now knows. Is they record the information as it's passing through them, so that if anybody else should ask, it doesn't have to go all the way back to the room. It just, oh, I know that one. I'll just tell you. Right? The question, negative time to live, is, okay, so I know along the way, I, time to live is, how long should you remember whatever address you were given? Because that just tells you how often mom can change her address if she wants to. Okay? In other words, let's say one day mom changes her address. Okay? And then you ask for that address just right after she changed it. You're still going to get the old one, right? But, you, but within say a half hour, you'll get the new one, because your thing had a time to live there that said, it. "I'm doing a really bad job of explaining this. Your thing had a rule there that said, "I'm only supposed to remember this for a half hour, and after a half hour, I have to ask somebody else. And they have a half hour, too, and eventually the half hours expire and they go back and they ask again and now the right answer comes back out. Well, a negative answer is, I don't know. And that has rules, too. And I honestly don't think that they should ever be willing to catch a negative answer, okay? I really don't get why they would want to do that. Because why are you still asking if, there is, if the thing isn't defined? It must be because you know that somewhere on the net, there's an answer to that question. Why else would you be asking? That's, I mean, if you're not familiar with all this stuff, the subtlety might be a little bit too much for you. But if you're a DNS expert, which I am not, I am an absolute neophyte winner. This all is negative time lifting. Believe me, yesterday morning at this time, I didn't know such a concept existed. Okay? And that's why, by the way, my tests were coming up with very bad results, okay? Because here's the test that I was running, right? Uh, I mean, what I would do would be I'd jump the gun and I would ask right away, Where take me there. By hitting the view button, I'm asking for a lookup to take place. He then goes and asks and is told I don't know. What I didn't know is he was remembering that answer and wasn't bothering to ask again until he had that negative time to live, at which point he was allowed to ask again. And then he asked and got the answer. And it was funny how, so I was running this test every hour, once every hour, trying it again and again. But I would always ask immediately for the answer. And, of course, immediately they don't have the answer yet. It hasn't made it out to the authority yet. I'm not doing a good job. So he gets a negative answer, and that all gets cached, and then it waits for the expiration, and then the funny thing is, it always takes 18 minutes for it to give an answer, and 18 minutes is just too long. So, I was told, try this, okay? And what that was, wait 10 seconds before you ask, and see what happens. And yeah, that did it. Now they all got the answer right away. I would just like chill out, count to 10, and then ask. So it's like as if you said to your car, take me to mom's house, okay? And instead of asking right away, it said, I'm just going to hang out for a second here, actually for 10 seconds. And it'll seem to Dave like it's taking a while to get the answer, but actually I'm just going to sit here and wait. (laughs) Just to make sure that in case Dave was the guy that was programming in the answer, I don't get. I don't ask too soon. I'm going to let it get a chance to get to the place it needs to get to before I ask the question. I ask then, after waiting ten seconds, get to the answer, and off we go to Mom's house, and everybody's happy. Except it took a little bit longer there. That 10-second wait is a little bit frustrating. Uh, so then I got some help from a guy at Amazon, thanks to. I sent an email to Werner Vogels, who's the CTO at Amazon, and he forwarded it to a guy who forwarded it to the right guy, and then we emailed back and forth, and he was the guy that made these suggestions. And he said, instead of asking, instead of waiting there 10 seconds, why don't you ask our server, not DNS now, but ask their server, which is called Route 53, which manages their DNS, why don't you just ask it every second whether or not it has set up that it whether it is finished configuring the server so that it now knows about the name so when you're asking their server that's not screwing up the negative time to live stuff and lo and behold it all worked I just sit there in a loop waiting you know after you allocate the name I sit there in a loop waiting every second I ask have you finished have you finished have you finished? Have you finished? Usually around the fifth time or sixth time I ask the question, comes back and says, finished. Then I go to the user, finished. Now the user can click the view button. Every It works. Holy guacamole. Not bad. So when I told Adam about this yesterday, he said, you know, what do you want? Ten seconds to program the whole Internet? And I said, damn right. You're a god. You're, I mean, if you have the power to get the whole internet behind this idea that you want to call this dave22.workmark.net, and if the internet takes 10 seconds to get that together, it's not unreasonable. It's not, for me, it's not what I've come to expect from the internet. I mean, I really have been impressed with how fast things happen on the net, and a program Level, you know. I mean, I can make a request of a server, and God knows where that server is. And I'm running my own software on the other end, and my I know how much work my software has to do on both ends. And I can ask that question on my machine and have it come back. And get this, sometimes in as little as a tenth of a second, it makes it through all the routers. It has to, it makes it through all my software, then all the routers. Then it gets, at the other end, it gets has to go through all my software and then come back, and then go back through all the routers, and then come back to me, and I process it. And all that happens in a tenth of a second? I mean, it's mind-boggling. I mean, it is really, my poor brain has a tremendous amount of trouble understanding how all that can happen so quickly. All that can happen so quickly, and believe me, in a lot of cases there's just so much it's hard to grasp then why does it take 10 seconds for a domain name server to learn that this name is associated with this name and I, I, I don't get it but I'm willing to accept it for at least for now I still want it to be faster because what I don't want is I don't want the users to be sitting there going I, because in 10 seconds while it doesn't sound like a lot when you actually are sitting there waiting for the 10 seconds, believing the thought pops into your head that maybe it's never going to come back or maybe that something's broken or, you know, I mean, the Mac does that a lot. You know, I've got one more thought and then I'm going to go. Cause I thought I was just going to do this one thing and it would take five minutes, but now we're 24 minutes into it. But I got another thought for you that I want to share. Um, do you remember the Mac ads where, uh, and the great these were great. You know, hi, I'm a Mac, and I'm a PC, and the Mac guy was all, you know, John, um, you know, the PC guy was John Hodgman, and Justin Long was the Mac guy, and the Mac guy is, you know, very cool, and the popular kid type guy, you know, all the girls like him, very, you know, you know, sort of with it, he's the Mac, of course, <laughs> and, and the PC guy is this the, you know, he's the nerd, he's lovable, but He's really fucked up. <laughs> he wears a suit, and he's always crashing <laughs> and getting viruses. And, yeah, I mean, it's funny, except <coughs> there's one commercial where he just freezes a lot because they're saying, you know, PCs freeze, Free, PCs freeze a lot, and that's certainly true. Uh, I remember because I spent quite a few years using. It. Uh, but now I use Mac, and I use quite a few of them. And I gotta say, uh, Macs freeze as much as any PC ever did. I mean, you just sit there and you watch that, you know, rainbow cursor thing spinning round and around and around. You go, come on, guys! I would really like to have my computer back. And, Hello. And every time that happens, I think about the stupid commercials, and I think about what fucking liars those guys are. I mean. And it really pisses me off that, you know, I mean, that they take, what, amount, amounts to, I mean, that's just marketing. I know they all do it, and I know they lie like crazy. I mean, the airlines say, oh, well, we really care about you, and I know that they don't. I mean, maybe some employees, and sometimes I'm surprised at how much airline people do care, uh, you know, and I've seen examples of it. But i got to say that most of the time, I really don't think they care, <laughs> And yet all their ads say, oh, you know, this is the friendly, welcome to the friendly skies, or, you know, we're going to go the extra mile, or, you know, it's not enough to grow an airline, we have to be a good airline, and all that. You know, what crap, give me a break. You don't believe any of that stuff, and you certainly don't do it. But Apple, we always thought, was more than that. Yeah, well, what a lie, because, you know, you never know when the max just going to go freeze on you, and now you have to remember what you're doing, because, uh, you don't know exactly when it's coming back. <laughs> anyway, this was fun. I, I, I really sincerely hope that I can do this more frequently because I, I like to be in touch with people. And I really like the idea of, you know, a bunch of people doing podcasts every day and uh, and then making the time of listening to them and sort of keeping up with people that way. So um, I don't know how much I can I do that. Now, one one more thing. I got just a couple more minutes, and I get I'll be right up to a half hour very shortly. Um, I don't listen to so many podcasts now that I'm riding my bike uh, because I don't listen. To, I don't listen. I'm, I'm listening for you know uh, for danger. But <laughs> my bike riding in New York is not a you know it's not it's something where you want your full attention to be on the bike riding process. So. Uh, not listening to so many podcasts these days, but I'll do the best that I can, and I certainly will, you know, record some uh, when I when I can do that. So anyway, uh, hope you've enjoyed this, and um, uh, we'll see you again real soon. Okay.